So you were right on the money with the airplane. I knew it. I knew it. You knew it. You felt it. You knew it. And you were right. I felt it in my heart. Next, submarine. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's the only thing left. We've done trains. We've done airplanes now. We've done every car you could think of. Tank. We did a tank. We did a tank. Um, I'm either next. Next movie is either an ATAT or a submarine. I would love if it was an ATAT, <laughs> like right out of Star Wars. Just make the crossover happen. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fast and the Furious is art, a Fast and the Furious appreciation podcast. Um, I am your uh, your host, Rob, and with me, as always, is uh, your co-host, Dan. Uh, Dan is going through his first journey through the Fast and the Furious franchise. Well, I've done it a few times now, and just maybe a couple hours ago, we watched the Fast and the Furious 6, the sixth entry. It happened. It happened. I know. We said we were going to power through them all just to get get ready for nine, but then a lot of other stuff came up, and so it took a while. Man. And, yeah. Well, yeah. Much like this franchise, the best laid plans. You right. Know. So, um Whew, okay, so I don't, have, I don't have notes like I I normally do because we just watched it together we digitally it. over the yeah. internet. Um, but I say we just d- jump right in and just start talking about. I mean, like, what's your uh, like higher level? Just you know, look at this film in the franchise. What are your thoughts? Well, it's so it's so interesting. It's uh, it's it's very much the gang. It's very much that typical Fast and the Furious get the gang together, you know, kind of thing that we've got going on. It's so interesting how, um, how each movie essentially repeats itself in a lot of ways. And you watch a lot of the tropes that like now this is the third time we've gotten the family together. And so like, now it's amazing seeing like how quickly we get the family back together. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. It only and- takes about half hour of the movie to do it instead of an hour of the movie. Um, so it's like, it, it's hard though to kind of, you know, the each standalone uniquely because they each start to bring a completely different new way to look at the franchise. It's like, it's like, Every action movie usually has like one big trope that they lean into. Maybe it's a really strong guy. Maybe it's a really good driver. Maybe it's like a, you know, a a suit of armor. Maybe it's a a big, it's something, right? And this movie franchise is just like, okay, yeah, every, we're going to do a movie and we're going to introduce a new thing that we can lean into for this movie. And then we're just going to keep leaning into it every movie after that. And so what we get is kind of like this bizarre, you know, Shazam type of like franchise that's just like a like it has the combined elements of so many other action franchise action oh yeah. you know genres that it's this it's just it's becoming this refined and it, you know it's funny and i don't know if this came before or after expendables but like the Ex- expendables tried to do it um with like with that whole like kind of you know like there've been there've been i feel like we've like you know they try to do this like they try to reboot the alien predator franchise and make it all like every f- Fast and Furious just keeps doing it and other people try to um, emulate it and they just can't because it's just like, it's just too, it's almost too absurd to fail. And I wonder, I mean, and we could get into why it, it works for this franchise. So it's just for reference, the Expendables was 2010. So it was a couple of years before six. Um, but uh, it's just, I it works for this franchise, I think because they walk this fine line between they recognize how ridiculous it all is, but they don't treat it that way. And I think this movie, 
this one personally is my least favorite out of all of them. And that's, you know, on a relative scale, it's still thought it was a fun movie. It's just if if I had to go pick one off the shelf to watch on a random day, I'm rarely ever going to pick this one. And I think part of the reason for that is while I talk about that fine line between knowing it's a joke and taking it seriously, I think this one leans a little bit more on the edge of taking it too seriously because I think pacing wise, this movie's weird there. It, it is very slow in the middle of this movie. It is. There is a lot of character to character scenes before you get to some like truly fast and the furious action sequences, which is, I will say like the last 45 minutes of the movie is kind of packed with them, but it, it creates this lopsided imbalance um, that, you know, again, this one was directed by Justin Lin, same director for Tokyo Drift, I think also had some pacing issues. Um, and this is where I think, cause you know, five, five goes in the, all right, let's get goofy with it. And they're like, Hey, that worked. And now it kind of pendulum swings a little bit towards more serious, a little bit grim, a lot darker. Like a lot of this movie takes place at night. Yes. And I think that very has an industrial, very cold. It's a yeah. colder movie. Yes, yes, yes. Where the last movie was very colorful. Yeah. And just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's unique and, and just, there's something way more interesting about Brazil than just London especially that version of London, which is most of the time at right. night, everything's wet and dark. And, just, you know, I can I see know. that. Um, I can see that this is a franchise that is that like it, it stumbles before it's, it's, it like can stand on what it, what, like what it was trying to mm -hmm. do. And like, and so like, uh, they had some fun with the last one and people were like, yeah, this is great. And then this one, they're like, let's see if we can push a little bit. And they kind of, you know, they failed, but they can't just Zack Snyder it and just re-release FF6 again, five years later with everything fixed. No, no, they just have to move on to the next project. And so, you know, we see this kind of this pendulum sway, like you said, back and forth of like, uh, well-rounded stuff and then absurd stuff and well-rounded stuff and absurd stuff. Um, and, and to be fair, and this isn't spoiling because it is on this higher level, but I think they I think they learn from this. I think the next one is back in that vein of Fast Five, and I think it stays there for uh, eight as well. And hopefully the same as based on what I've seen in trailers, the same with nine. It doesn't go too far back into that grim. This is a serious, you know, international thriller action film. It's yeah. like, no, it's goofy fun. There's surprisingly not that many cars in this one. Like the showpiece car scenes were few and far between. Uh, and we didn't even really get them until the back half of the movie, which I guess most people remember the back half over the, the oh, top. Totally. The I, I, if you told me before we watched this today where this movie set, I was going to say, oh, half of it's set in uh, half of it's set in London and half of it's set in Spain. And now watching it, it's like, oh, wait, no, no, like eight tenths of this movie is set in London and it's like really the last half hour. If, if that is set in, in Spain and it right. doesn't even feel like it because you don't really get to see a lot of Spain. Like it's, you're immediately at a military base and then you're immediately on the longest runway ever created. And it's just, it, it doesn't, it doesn't lean into the strengths of going to these exotic places. No, not like previous movies have. Yeah, that could have been a military base in uh, California. That could have been a military base anywhere. Probably was. It probably was. And it just, it there wasn't, you know, it wasn't the same thing as what we saw with five and what I think we will see in seven and eight. So, um, you know, it's, it's that all that said, it still has ridiculous moments. I, I 
I'm so glad we decided to do the show this way so that I could get your reaction when the tank throws Letty off into the air and Dom intercepts her. And like the, those are the fast and the furious moments in this movie. And they're, they're still great. Yeah. Yeah. It's um the, I think that so far it's, it's not placed as top in, in terms of like the top, so to answer your question that you asked earlier, it's not one of my favorites that we've watched so far because like it almost becomes so relentless at points that like there's no room to breathe. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, and uh, and I feel like all the action was really packed into the back half and there really didn't uh, where most of the other movies have have like some really great moments paced throughout the entire thing. Um, this this was uh, this one did kind of um, but it felt experimental in a way, I guess. Right. Yeah. And well, and I also think maybe it was them overestimating the the sort of emotional weight of what's like, listen, I love that this is like a Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I love yes. that they try to go back and tie all these films together and these characters into a web. But I also love it because it is silly. And I think there were a lot of scenes in this movie that it's like, OK, I think you're taking this a little too seriously. And you know, just the the crushing guilt that Brian feels for what happened to Letty, even though we kind of already dealt with that in the fourth film. Like it wasn't, you know, he still felt that guilt then when he didn't know that Shaw was behind it all. But now we're feeling it again in this movie. And had you taken all those scenes that were in the middle and pepper them throughout more of the the over the top action, I think the pacing would have worked better. And that's yeah. similar to how I felt about Tokyo Drift. If I don't think anything in the movie was bad. I just think things needed to be rearranged. So it just felt like a more smooth ride. You know, it was because there was there were a few times in the middle where I was like looking at the runtime to see like when. OK, when are we getting to this tank scene? Because it's been a while. There's been a lot of just talking and talking and talking and talking. Oh, so you're saying that they you think that they kind of learned from the the whole they you know it's not a well it is a character you, you know driven piece uh, it's not people are here for a very specific reason I I just think it's I think I think the, the I think the index cards on the board were rearranged in the wrong way for this movie I think if you you moved them all around a bit so you still had all those character beats but they were sprinkled between the action sequences like think about it because they go through the the they go through the tank and then that whole tank chase happens. And then almost immediately after you're getting into the final runway scene. Imagine if you threw in a few character moments in between the two. I know yeah. it would have been harder to do because the whole premise is he's escaping with this chip. Um, but it's I feel like that's where you want a room to breathe and you barely get it there. Whereas in the before all of that, you've got a good you know, almost 45 minutes hour of breathing room there when you don't want to, you want these, you know, like, okay, it's cool that Tej bought all of those cars, but wouldn't it be cooler if they stole the cars and that was an action sequence, you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, you see mission impossible three did this, right. They, they started with a, with a lot of tension, you know what I mean? With like the, with the rabbit's foot, you know, and like there was like, they're in, like in the middle of like a, a whole action scene, it really would have been interesting to give us, to do something like that with you're you're very right. And that they, they could have, they could have heightened the tension. Um, but you know what, I guess let's also dial it back though. Realistically, this is Letty now coming back to the series. So I imagine that yeah. fans were all hyped 
and and all wrapped up in themselves about that, which I managed to put some blinders on for a lot of things, uh, p- plot wise, uh, it, probably in editing. I'm sure stuff had to be like, I'm sure like when they got the final, cu- the first rough cut of this, they're like, does this movie even make sense? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, it's gonna be I weird. Think, I think that's what they do for every every first cut of these movies, <laughs> but a lot of times it's just um, you know, it's the uh, it's the strength of the series, and so. Okay, so uh, Shaw, Hobbs? Hobbs is, is the rock. Shaw's the bad guy. Shaw is the is the beast. Yes. Luke, oh, Luke no. Evans. Shaw's Gaston. Dan Steven. Oh, Gaston. Gaston, right. <laughs> right. Okay. Gosh, it disturbs me to see you, Shaw Hobbs. Uh, no, Hobbs isn't hot. I can't. You just sold it to me, and I can't even remember. Um, <laughs> but the... Um, the the whole this whole like this whole like it was me oh la la <laughs> that like I was just like what why oh, yeah. are we doing this right like, we find out why, that yeah like, yep. uh, what was his name Braga Braga from four was working for for Shaw and I I yeah. they, you know what it is I think when did okay when did Avengers come out twenty twelve Avengers came out in twenty twelve. Fast and the Furious 6 came out in 2013. Do you think there's a chance that they saw Avengers and they saw that tease for Thanos and they were like, that's what we need. We need a Thanos. And they're like, Shaw, what if we make Shaw the Thanos? And Braga was working for him all along. And that, you know, that Braga's the Loki to Thanos. No, my God, maybe. I mean, that those films had to have an impact because now we're starting to get into like, uh, you know, jumping all the way to the post credit teaser. They now not only finally get to the point where Han dies, but they retcon it so that Han doesn't die in an accident. Han is killed by uh, Jason Statham, who I'm assuming we're going to see in the next movie. I'm pretending I haven't seen these following movies for your sake. But. <laughs> yeah. I assume they didn't randomly hire Jason Statham for that one scene and he doesn't show up again. That scene where Vin Diesel grabs Letty midair, you know, when the tank throws her, that's that's definitely a response to the Avengers. You know what I mean? Like that heightened action stuff. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I don't know if so necessarily. I think that we are like so deep into uh, Fast and the Furious lore now that it's more Bond in terms of like overarching like villain kind of thing. I I feel it's more it's more like these layered like oh a villain from uh, you know under a villain over a villain around a villain you know like I feel like that's a pretty classic like let's stretch this story as far as we can stretch it kind of trope you know yeah and I uh you know what hey it works for Bond I I think it I do th- it's weird I think it works here in that I. I too roll my eyes when I see that happen because you you know they didn't plan it out. You just know ahead of time there is no Kevin Feige going. Okay, no, we're gonna make you know six of these movies. But that's kind of what I really like about it is that they managed to find a way to make the puzzle pieces fit, even though they clearly weren't designed to fit into place. And sometimes you just gotta smash that puzzle piece in until it fits. 
and that could be a messy act, but hey, you know, it at the end of the day, you've got the two pieces connected. And now I'm making analogies like uh, Hobbes is, and it's just, I'm going. Oh my to God, it's the entire, it's it's the entire movie. It was ridiculous. It's absolutely all ridiculous. he knows. This is the only it's way he knows, he knows how, how to do. communicate. Yeah, it's absolutely Hobbes, ridiculous. You write the worst reports for these events because it's just analogies. Like that's all we're getting here. We're not getting any actual information. Um. So we lose a couple of members of the family. We don't have the two uh, brothers from five, the ones who bet it all yes. on the roulette wheel. Um, yep. We don't necessarily, I, we don't really gain, I guess you could say we gain Letty towards the end. Um, yeah, Letty's back on the team and we lose, uh, we lose Gia Carano. Well, yes, who we only got in, in this movie in this, anyway. In this movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we lose Giselle. Giselle dies. We do lose Giselle. I don't, I don't think they gave Giselle's death a ton of weight, which is weird. But they needed, I guess they needed her to die to prompt Han to go to Tokyo. Because otherwise Han would have never gone to Tokyo. Oh, right. To set up. Yeah, yeah. Giselle, we, we lose Giselle and Han, technically. You know what I mean? Yeah. In this. So uh, we, we lose, we kind of lose the power. We lose the power couple, quite honestly. They were just the power couple the entire movie. We've got BattleBot cars, which was really fun. Got BattleBot cars, yeah. Uh, I like I I like how they um I like how this like you can't defeat it. You just can't defeat it. You know it's, what I mean? It's did got they, a ramp. How can we defeat a ramp? It's, didn't did they steal it? Doesn't Brian get in one at the end of the movie? No, I think what he does he he finally works against it. He knows it's coming, so he like uses the ramp to his advantage to trick um the oh uh, right. To, to trick evil Letty, which is not Letty before she gets her memories, but what I'm just going to call um, all of the people on the enemy team who Roman brilliantly points out is a mirror of somebody on their team. Like you've got the evil. Oh, my God. Yeah. Evil Hobbs. And you have, you know, all oh, of these characters. It's um, kind of hilarious that they did that. That was I mean, that's so it's so perfect. Yeah. I mean, it's that's one way to handle a trope is if you're going to do a trope, just point it out. And just do it and right. Make a joke out of it. And that's what they did. And it was it was kind of funny because you do see that giant dude and you're like, OK, the rock's going to fight him. Clearly, they're both, you know, mountains. So they're going to they're going to fight each other. Um, but, yeah, we've got, uh, you know, we're we're in London for most of it. I think the weird thing about the movie that stands out to me going back to it is just I think if you took half of those scenes and you made them daytime, it would be a very different feel. But I imagine shooting in London during the day is is way more difficult. Mm, yeah, yeah, I, I, um, yeah, and you're right. Everything was wet, wasn't it? Why is it just? I guess because it always rains in London, right? Well, that's also typically when you're filming at night. It's great to like if you ever watch any movie, and when there's a scene outdoors at night, it the floor is usually wet, and it it makes for a more dynamic visual because you get reflections off the puddles, and it just it looks nicer. Um, but when you shoot most of your movie at night, that means, you know, uh, it just feels like a really wet movie, which I guess works for London. Yeah, we get uh, we get we get that scene with Vin with uh, with with Van Petrol, uh, the British Vin <laughs> Diesel, which is really great. I love I love that a lot. It was a good fake out. That's another one. They, if they had just cast him and that was that it would be whatever it would be its own thing. But the fact that they set him up by being a fake out reveal 
because they show you at the beginning, it's like, oh, I know just the person. And, you know, he walks in the interrogation room and you see Vin Diesel's bald head. And, oh, look, nope, it's Van Petrol, not Vin right. Diesel. <laughs> I wonder how long they had to look to find someone who had the same back of the head. Or is it just you put the, you just put like a bald guy in a white T-shirt. And that should have been our first giveaway is that he wasn't wearing a white tank top. He was wearing a white T-shirt. Oh, it's the sleeves. The yep. sleeves is it's the British difference. Yeah, Vins don't have diesels don't do sleeves, but petrols do. Yeah, as as shown at the end of the movie when he, you know, no matter what, the, I the way I was thinking in the the walkthrough, we'll have a movie where they go to Mars and it'll still end up with him in a white t shirt with a shotgun. That's all. <laughs> yeah. he, that's all he needs. Right. You were particularly bothered by the fact that he lugged uh, an entire engine up into his apartment to work on it in spain yeah, yeah why would you just work? <laughs> that's what a garage is for in spain <laughs> work work on your car in your garage which is what you do when you work on a car don't pull out the engine and bring it up to your patio what are you doing vin you just wanted to brag by carrying that engine up there which we know you did you know what else uh like maybe i just missed it in the movie but like the whole gia carano uh double cross which you know fortune predicting the futures all this franchise <laughs> all this franchise does is predict the future but i uh, did they set up that there was like a mole or anything it just felt so no. unearned no it felt there was so nothing. unearned there was i think they i think genuinely that they were like okay but how do we get rid of gina carano like how do how do we like you know how do we get her character give her closure well okay i guess she could have died you know she could have been the one who died instead of giselle but they needed to get rid of giselle right Maybe but two deaths but giselle, were too many but Giselle had just signed a thick contract with DC. So Giselle had to go. Yeah. <laughs> Giselle had used the, this franchise to, uh, for the rungs of the ladder and, and she's climbing up. to Is, is fast. The furious Warner. No universal. That's why oh. there's a terrible ride at the universal studios. Right. Well, Harry Potter's Warner and it's, there's a oh, Harry Potter true. ride. That's a good point. All right. Fair enough. I just, I was just curious, like, because if it was Warner, then it could have just been like executives being like, well, we need you we'll, here. We'll, we'll excuse you from your, the rest of your Fast and the Furious. It was probably part of her deal. She's like, listen, I'll be Wonder Woman, but if you could get me out of these terrible movies. No, I bet she loved making them. How can you not? Just going to cool places, you know? Oh, yeah. It's like you're being on vacation and, you know. Now, here's the thing Wonder Woman was 2017. This was 2013. So there's still four years. Yeah, but I mean, we had to we had to muscle her up. We had she was she, like she probably signed the deal and then they went into pre-production. That's four years. It that takes four years to make a movie. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. I'm looking at the wiki now to see when they like announced it and stuff. Um, yeah, when was uh, when does Wonder Woman show up in? Um, didn't she sneak into another movie oh, first? I can't remember. Point. She was in uh, was it Batman vs Superman? Yeah. In 2010, they said that it was in development. Um, when did they what, announce her? That's a good question. Casting. See, Rob, I'm telling you. A oh, Fast no, and the you're Furious right. You're right. You're right. You're, well, uh, in late 2013, Zack Snyder cast Gal Gadot in the role of Wonder Woman for the 2016 there, film. So, there you go. So that so the year this came out, Boom. so maybe she wasn't cast at the time, but clearly she was she was climbing that uh, hollywood ladder so they you know they <laughs> they they killed off giselle and then we got han's conclusion what are your here's what i want to get from you before we forget to cover it what is your take on the the, the credit 
the after credit scene. Okay, so I well, okay, I'm just using Future Vision. I know that that guy's important because he's I've seen him on posters of things, right? Um, and he's Jason Statham. He's he's right. not a you know he's not a generic action actor. He's, well, listen, he's, you know, we brought in Gia Carano for just one movie, all right, and she backstabbed. Uh, so um, I don't know, maybe Jason Statham just rolls in for one credit scene. Uh, no, I'm I'm just I, yeah. Uh, so I know that there's big there's big things afoot. But I can't possibly imagine what just another group of people with cars who are angry at another group of people with cars. I don't know what's going to happen, Rob. <laughs> just warring teams, warring families. Yeah, it's just like, well, it's just like at the end of every movie. It's like, phew, we got rid of that one guy with a lot of cars who hates me. And then like the credits roll and it's like, hey, I'm a guy with a lot of cars and I hate you. I hate you. I'm coming. <laughs> Get ready. And everyone's just like, God damn it. <laughs> I just want to retire in peace with my hundred million dollars. Can I just do that? Can I get off the grid? Oh, my gosh. But there's always some guy with a lot of cars who hates him. <laughs> that was the working title of the franchise. Yeah, some guy with a lot of cars who hates you. Yeah. Uh, we. Can't, oh, uh, you know what, Rob? What? This movie's called Fast and Furious. So, you know, like, you can furiously hate somebody. Yeah. And you, you could hate them fast, too, which, I mean, that's what happened. This movie, man. This movie was wild. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. I don't know how to break Let's it down. Let's talk about Tank. Okay, Tank. Let us let us talk about Tank because I love Tank. That's my favorite sequence. In I like it better than the finale on the runway. Yeah, it was cooler. Now, if we can do a movie where a, where someone throws a zip line and it catches a plane and makes it nosedive, and then a tank drives out of the front of a plane, you have got a ticket sold right here. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I think the franchise will do more than that at, at yeah. points. <laughs> Uh, I, you know, what else uh, made me realize I, why I liked it besides the fact that it was daytime, something you pointed out early on in the movie, which is the importance of having every character have their own unique car so that right. you can not only track what's happening in the sequence, but it gives it more character. And yes. that's what you see in the tank sequence. They're all driving weird, unique cars that are their own. Whereas in that earlier sequence, when they're going to Interpol and they're doing, you know, the battle bot car. Everyone's just driving a black sedan and you don't know who's who and who's right. in what. And it's just, but you know, in that boring. scene. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah, exactly. 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 Rob, I'm right there with you, buddy. And it explains why over the years I've been gifted so many little cars from fast and the furious, like so many hot wheel sets that they make. And I, the ones from this movie is that red car that you like with the, the spoiler on it. Um, mm -hmm. and the, mm -hmm. the battle bot, the thin. but, but not like I don't have like a set of five, you know, black sedans that are just featureless. I want that little blue one that that uh, Brian drives. That was that's my favorite car in the franchise. I think is the next movie Brian's last movie. So, yeah, the next movie is the one where Paul Walker died in the middle of production. So it carries a very different tone. I'm not going to spoil anything. They they had to finish filming without him. So things got rewritten production changed i'll tell you ahead of time they in certain scenes used his brother and then digitally put paul walker's face on it so it's it's different and i think that it, it i would almost wonder in an alternate universe what fast seven would have been like because this when i talk to people about the franchise i usually point to fast and the furious six as the first movie that feels like a sequel 
Like it feels like they were just following up on five. Um, yes. Whereas all the ones before it have the very unique tone and change and like they, they, they are pulling from different yes. genres. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. With 100%. With, yeah. With seven. It, it is more of six and five, but because you go into it knowing that this is Paul Walker's last film, it, it has a different weight to it that I almost wonder if it would have been, um, I don't know, a less well-received sequel had that not happened. Not to say that that, you know, obviously is it's a tragedy what did happen, but like, I, I, I wonder what that movie would have been if it went according to plan and nothing had happened because I, I wonder if the franchise was going down this path of just sequelitis um, that, that it, it ultimately doesn't in seven because of what happened. Um, oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's kind of always been my take on it. When I think about these films, seven is part of the era of, okay, now they know what they, they know it works. So they lean into it, but it, this one obviously feels different for, for very obvious reasons. Uh, is there a spinoff called fast kids where Brian's kids, a teenager and he like does go-karts and stuff. I mean, there's fast and the furious spy racers, but I don't think that's his kid. I think that's, I think, I believe the protagonist is Dom's, uh, cousin, little cousin, but it is teenagers, teenagers in cars, Oh, but also spy racers. So there's still, it's not like, Oh, they're doing street racing. They are jumping straight to spy stuff, you know? Right, 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 right. Uh, here's my question. I don't know if I have any. I feel like this movie's a lot easier to cover than the other ones. Yeah, um, I well, the the tank was the so back to the just to, to, just to circle back to the tank. Yeah, what kind of tank is that? Like, could that t- do, do, like in real life? I don't know anything. Here's the thing: I don't know anything about tanks. So, like, can you? Did we know a tank was in there the whole time? No, that was the reveal. Right. It was just this big, weird looking truck. Yep. Because it had to be weird and big because it had a tank with its nose still attached. I don't know what the front of a tank's called. Uh, I don't know. To the barrel? Can- the cannon? The, the barrel. Yeah, it's, cannon yeah, barrel? Whatever. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think that those things telescope back in. So I guess it had to be that long <laughs> to like. If they did. <laughs> just a little stubby tank uh they're out there man uh so man that was wild but then the airplane was also what was it's just so fascinating about these these two big show pieces in the end of the movie is that they have like like out like larger than life vehicles like you know like the the vehicle that was transporting the tank was this massively weird transport vehicle and then the cargo plane that like the whole action, the finale takes place around. It's like this giant, like hyper cargo. Yeah. Uh, like plane. one of those big, like AC one thirties, like yeah, military yeah. grade. Yeah. It's so, it's so interesting that like, um, it almost feels, uh, I think I'm like starting to come upon why the, this, this movie isn't good. It isn't like my favorite. It's because it all feels too, um, like industrial and like these characters feel out of place in, in settings like this, they feel out of place in these characters aren't James Bond. You know what I mean? Like these, right. you know, like we we've been, it's been gangs. It's been, it's been, you know, 
devious international, you know, smuggling and stuff like that. And now the fact that it's like, okay, we're going to rig these guys up with like fancy stuff. It is almost Avengers. Like it's like, is to- it's Tony Stark, their boss. You know, they just have limitless resources. Now it, it, it takes a lot of the charm and like the kind of scrappiness away from the characters. And, and it kind of, uh, it, it, it neuters it and just turns it into just, just like IV action. IV right. They're the eight. They're the new A team sort of. Right. Know, right. 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 I, I mean, I would, uh, you're going to, I think you're going to get more of that as the franchise continues. Cause obviously they need to keep scaling it up. Uh, and yeah, there are moments where it does. I, the one that stuck out to me during the tank scene, and this is a very minor one. And it's a stupid thing to, I think get hung up over, but it just jumped out to me at the moment was when they're in the tank and uh, Shaw is like, Oh, get me, get me satellite imagery. And Letty just fires it up. And I'm like, Whoa, 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 Letty. How do you know what that is? What is that machine or how to operate it? Like you were street racing and you were on the run and stealing gasoline and then you died, but didn't didn't die. And now you know how to operate satellite imagery in a military tank. It's just that sort of assumed knowledge that you have to ultimately just kind of let go of. Right. We don't we don't know why Tej is suddenly a super hacker, but he is. And that's just comes with it. Um, And I think when it's for ridiculous stuff, it plays better for like when it's Tej and he's doing all this crazy hacking and like he pushes a button on his phone and money just starts spitting out of an ATM because why not? Like that's, it's goofy enough that it's fun and and acceptable. But then a lot of the tone of this movie that I think is the reason why it's my least favorite is that it's very heavy militarized, like you said, industrial. It feels a little bit like it's trying to be like, uh, you know, a born identity Jack Reacher style movie. And maybe that's just, I'm feeling that because it's so much of it takes place at night and it's all dark, but that's not, I think the fun of the franchise. And thankfully I think they realize that because future entries kind of rebound and, and, lean into what they know they do well which is more colorful more diverse more you know off the wall and weird and and you know we see more stuff like the tank scene and then less stuff like you know rushing to interpol and you know shootouts a lot of gun shootouts Hmm. yeah this was definitely this was definitely the their um their their born their born the more the more the movie progressed you were totally right um, the more the movie present, you're very, it's definitely more born than Die Hard. It's a born movie. It's totally a born movie. You know, it's so it's, it's, it's like that, like cold industrial thriller, you know, spy thriller. And, uh, I, and that, 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 I don't know. I mean, I guess I get it, but it, it, those pants don't fit very well on these guys, on this gang. No. Yeah. I think, I think to have that balance of, of kooky and taking it seriously, you just kind of. Uh, it needs to be itself, which, you know, it it I think ends up ultimately as a series being, which is great. Um, but, uh, you know, and it, it, they still work in those moments, even though it does that. I mean, come on, the imagery of four like cars attached to the wings of this military plane that's trying to take off and it's they're dragging behind it like it is very still over the top ridiculous. Um it's yeah. more of an aesthetic thing than anything else. The thing that finally takes the plane down is that one of the four cars specifically is just hanging off of one flap. The other three cars hold no bearing on the, on, you know what I mean? It's like, excuse me. 
I well, you know what? My thought was like, I don't know a lot about planes, but I bet if you shot that harpoon at an engine, this would all be over right now. I right. forget the flap. Go for one of those engines. Um, but yeah, I, there was a video that came out, I think, around the time this movie came out that tried to science it out. This would have been a, like a Rob Play style video, but they tried to determine the length of the runway based on everything they saw in that sequence. And I think the conclusion they came to was it was like over five miles long. It was easiestly the longest runway in the world by a long shot, you know, unrealistically long runway. Um, but hey, that's the franchise. Maybe for it you. was one of those circular runways. <laughs> They've just been turning, but we can't tell because we're so close in on it. Right. Uh, and then, you know, it was kind of a, I think another part of it is it was, it, you're getting into the techie aspect, right? Because when you look at one, it's, it's a cop thriller. They're just trying to get the bad guys who are stealing DVDs. Two is a drug movie. Three is a, you know, organized crime. Four is another drug movie. Five is a bank heist. And now six, you're getting into, well, we need the doodad here that's going to make a super tech weapon that is going to be sold to the highest bidder who's going to use it for international war. And it kind of gets out of the realm of uh, more, I don't know, easier to swallow, you know, um, in terms of MacGuffins. It was like, you know, the money for drugs or just that sort of thing. Right. So you're saying that from here on out, the plots are, uh, they kind of, they, 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 they know what to do. And they start to kind of just, you know, hone in on on the on the magic. Kind of. Just saying what I just said, I will say the MacGuffins don't go back to the old method of like, you know, drugs or organized crime or that sort of thing. It stays in that realm of like the techie MacGuffin doodad that's going to save the world. Uh, but I think from a stylistic perspective, the scene to scene experience does lean into what makes the movies work, which is, you know, bright, vibrant colors, weird settings, new characters, like in interesting, way more of those Hot Wheels moments. Um, so I think, uh, you know, I think I think it, 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 it corrects itself and finds that happy medium where, hey, like, you know, I'll talk about the numbers right now. It works, right? Fast and the Furious 6 had an estimated budget of 160 to 260 million, I'm assuming, with like marketing and stuff. Um, box office gross, $788 million over three quarters of a billion dollars. This is when Fast and the Furious 6 goes from good to successful to, oh, wow, this can be our Marvel. And so, of course, they're going to lean into what works for seven, you know, eight and hopefully nine later this week. Wow. It just churns money for him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's got international appeal. And this is one of the things that I think is really great about this franchise is you have a diverse cast, right? And it, yeah. it naturally evolved into this diverse cast by pulling in all these movies, for, uh, pulling in all these characters from different movies that are set in different places, right? And so it just kind of, it's all action based, so it plays well in other uh, territories. And so, yeah, it's it's kind of a really good recipe for a franchise that works well. And um, great soundtrack. I love the soundtrack. Yeah, you love these soundtracks a little bit more than you should, I think. <laughs> I may have some of these songs uh, favorited on Spotify and play them when I'm in the car, especially when I want to get hyped up to watch these movies. Um, all right. Well. Let's start to look forward. Now, you've your your guess is next submarine, and um, your thought is that this Jason Statham character is an important 
person in the franchise because of posters. Uh, here's my last question for you. Where do you think we're going to be in the next movie in the world? We did London for that was Brazil before that was kind of like Mexico and LA then Tokyo and then, you know, Miami, LA. So where's, where's seven going to put us? Um, Australia, India, Egypt, Australia, India, Egypt. All right. We'll see how you do. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's uh quite the uh yeah. That's I yeah, yeah, that's what I'm going with. That's what I'm going with. Okay. And um I <laughs> thank you for bringing Fast and the Furious back into my life, Rob. Oh, no problem. I, I mean, it's a fun ride. We got Here's the thing. I don't know what your schedule looks like. I think I that's, I need to watch 7 and 8 this week regardless because I want to go see 9 at the end of the week. Um but um it's just even this movie, which is the the bottom of my list when it comes to these films, um, including Hobbs and Shaw, which I think goes off on a whole other direction. Uh, it's just oh, it's so much fun that that montage at the beginning opening credits where we were joking about made me feel good because I watched all those moments. And that's what I think you look back on with this franchise. And since it's so varied, you're just like, oh, I remember all these different directions we went in. Yeah, and what a right. fun time. And uh, yeah. It's just always good to like what I want to do at the end of this whole like podcast series is I want you and I to record a watch through of like the first 30 minutes of the first movie again. I want to loop back around and see how you feel about the first 30 minutes after getting to the end of all this. That's funny. Okay, we can do that. I like that. All right. Well, um, I don't know how to end these uh, because it's been a long time (laughs) since I've done one. But thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show and want to help support it, just share it with another friend of yours, whether they're a Fast and the Furious friend or not, especially if they're not. Look at Dan. He he, he wasn't into the series before this, and now he's on a magical journey. Right, Dan? I mean, yeah, that's definitely one thing we could call it. All right, everybody. Uh, well, have a great week, and we'll see you for uh, Furious 7. <laughs> thanks, guys, for listening. <laughs> <laughs>